for our worship team today. Kid, man, awesome, 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 awesome. Amen, amen, amen. God is good, man. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray one more time. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that your love is better than life. God, we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, have us to say exactly what you want us to say today. And, Lord, when it's time to stop, we'll stop, and you be glorified through all things. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's good to be at the hill. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah, come on. We're excited. We've started this series called Tis the Season. And last week we talked about uh, just the, the interruptions of life and how life has a way of interrupting our daily, our daily routine and how um, that has plenty of challenges. Uh, it's frustrating a lot, but often it's actually the exact plan of God. Uh, those interruptions, as frustrating as they are, um, a lot of times that puts us in the perfect place that God wants us to be uh, for such a time um, as, as this. And so we're excited. Today we're going to be talking picture perfect and we're gonna I got a few anybody in, in Christmas time send out Christmas cards and and you try to make sure your kids are smiling and 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 it's the picture that you you wish your family looked like all year long is there anybody a few of us, yeah, a few of us. Well, I got a few pictures. We're going to go through pretty quick uh, just of my family. Hopefully, they come out better than they did uh, earlier in Stockton. Let's, let's check these out. Nope, they... They're not on there. Well, then it didn't turn out as good. Amen. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, we'll skip it. They were funny. Just give us a belly laugh and we'll know that it was funny. Um, no, that's okay. But the truth is, guys, um, often when we're doing these things, like we're trying to take pictures, there's like, like we have, we, like it's good, right? But then the next picture, someone's cross-eyed or someone's like making a funny face or, or matter of fact, we took one family photo one year. My brother, my older brother, my ugly older brother was probably um, about 25 and he was sitting right under a light, and, and he has thinning hair anyhow, and it made him look so bald, and it was so funny, man. I, I made fun of him forever. Grant likes it. It was hilarious, man. Um, but the truth is, guys, a lot of times, like, it, when it comes to life, like, we picture the way things should be, and then whenever, whenever we get into the midst of it, like, it's not the way we pictured it. I do a lot of uh, counseling. I'm not a good counselor, but I try. And uh, matter of fact, I, when I'm doing some premarital counseling, I always ask a bunch of questions. And one of the questions that I always ask is, why do you love them? Like, like why do you love this person? So it would sound like this. I would say, I would say, Scott, why do you love Michaela? And he would say, man, she's the best thing about me, man. She's incredible. She's amazing. She loves the Lord. All these good stuff. And, and I would say, Michaela, why do you love Scott? And she'd say, because he's fit and he's buff and he's got a, he's got a six pack of abs and he's got all these muscles and this would have been when they were engaged and I would have said what happens when the dairy farmer don't look like a, an Abercrombie model and he turns into just a normal dairy farmer <laughs> if you love him because of his abs you're gonna love him when he ain't got abs come on somebody and uh, no the truth is though if we if if in this case like we picture the way the way we're hoping marriage would look and we try to ask those questions like okay when it doesn't look like that when it doesn't happen the way you think it should happen what are you gonna do Right? Like when the new job that you were so pumped about, whenever the boss that you thought was awesome when you met him and interviewed, and then he's not like that, come on somebody, after you've been working, like what do you do? Like, like do you just quit? Are you mad at God? Like, like what, what do you do in these situations? That's the questions we have to ask. And that was Mary, y'all. Mary's life was on track. She was dating the most eligible be uh, bachelor, right? She was, she was, life was together. She was planning. She's planning her wedding. She already booked all that music DJ. She got the wedding venue. 
menu uh, in place. She got, she bought the dress. She's got the menu planned. It's going to be pulled pork and pickles on the side. Come on, scalloped potatoes and a roll in my God sweet tea. Come on, somebody. Like, like it's good. Like she is so pumped about everything and the way the plan is coming together. Everything is falling into place just the way it should fall into place. And then Luke 1, 28 shows up. Let's look at 1, 28 through 38. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and cast her mind in what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and thou shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the son of the, the highest, and the Lord God, and shall give him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, 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 ever. And his kingdom there shall have <laughs> saw an opportunity and I took it. How shall this be? And Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be since I've never been with a man? And the angel, well, it's getting small. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also has conceived a son in her old age and is in the sixth month with her uh, who is also called barren. For with God, come on somebody, nothing shall be impossible. And lastly, verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. There is a ton going up. Life is together. Things are in place. She's planning the wedding. She's imagining what her life as a married woman is going to look like. Y'all, things are flat out coming together. And this angel shows up in the middle of the room and he says, Hail, favored one. And she's, she freaks out, y'all. She's like, what is going on? I was curious. When he said, Hail, what was that meaning? That word, the, the breakdown of when he says, hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. It, the breakdown of that, the word hail in the Greek literally means rejoice. The angel shows up and he's like, rejoice, man. Something awesome is about to break forth in your life. Listen, anytime we have an encounter with God, it's time to get happy. It's time to rejoice because God is about to do something that's going to blow your expectations. Something that's going to blow your mind. God walks to the angel the Lord walks in the room and he says rejoice get happy this is going to be awesome and he says favored one the Lord is with you he's literally meaning the grace of God is upon you for such a time as this I love he says rejoice this is awesome and what does she do we don't know didn't say <laughs> but the angel of the Lord says fear not I love I love how God has a way of speaking to the emotions you're trying to hide from your neighbor. I love how, because you know, you know that, that Mary was trying to be stone-faced, right? You know in your life, you try to act like, oh, you got it all together, that, that you ain't got no issues, that you ain't got no problems, that life is perfect. Like we try to act 
like, like we, we, we front and we, got, we try to act like everything is awesome and it's good and, and nothing scares us and nothing frightens us. And the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, man, something awesome is going to happen. But anytime we have an opportunity for, for God to do something incredible in our life, what is attached uh, naturally, what comes attached with that is a fear that what if it doesn't happen? An anxiety of what if I fail? A concern of what if it doesn't work out? So he looks at her, says, rejoice, this is going to be awesome. And then perceiving the anxiety in her heart, he speaks to it. Like the, the presence of God, like you may fool your spouse, you may fool your kids, you may fool your friends. Come on, somebody. But the spirit of God is not fooled by your friend. He's not fooled by the, the, by the facade that you're putting on, trying to act like you got it all together. The angel of the Lord shows up, and he says, I know when you're worried. I know when you're concerned. I know when you have fear. He says, I know, I know when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake, and I know if you've been bad or good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he does, but, but the truth is, y'all, he knows. Like, so she has this anxiety in her heart, and before she can even dress and address the anxiety, the Spirit of God says, I, I, I see that you're anxious. I see that fear is trying to stop what I want to do in your life. So let me speak to fear. Shut up. Let me speak to fear. You don't get to talk no more. Let me speak to anxiety. You no longer have a right to stay in this person's life. Come on, somebody. Let me speak to confusion. I'm talking to some people in the house. Let me speak to confusion. You no longer get to chatter against the will of God. He says, fear not. I, I, I perceive that anxiety is trying to, to do things. I perceive that frustration and fear are trying to talk you out of faith. Shh. Fear not. Why is it there's always opposition to the will of God? Because it goes against our flesh, right? So our flesh gets in the way and our flesh gets frustrated and our, our flesh gets aggravated and our flesh finds fear and the spirit of God says, shh, don't let it talk. Don't give it an audience because the more you play into it, the louder it's going to speak. And, and, and I say this all the time, but anytime you're going to do something great in your life, fear will speak and so will faith. And which one wins? The one you magnify. You get what you're faith for and you're faith for what you focus on. So this Mary, he shows up, he says, rejoice, Johnny Awesome, this is going to be so cool. He says, don't, and she's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. What he goes, shh, don't let anxiety rule your heart. Shh, don't let fear try to grip you and try to control you and try to move you out of the place that I have for you. Shh, it's mine. It's mine. I, I got it under control, right? And then he says this, you're going to give birth to a son. He'll be Jesus, Emmanuel. He'll be the king of kings. He'll be the Lord of lords. He'll, be, he'll sit on David's throne forever. Forever? 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 Like he's got, he's gonna, his kingdom will have no end. Like it's gonna, it's like the Energizer Bunny. Come on, somebody. It's just gonna keep going and going and going. Like it's not gonna stop. It's just gonna, it's gonna be incredible. Because here's the reality. He says, you're favored. And now you're gonna birth a son. Here's the truth, y'all. Fa the favor of God always produces promise in your life. Yeah. 
my wife, when she's praying over our kids, um, when she's when she's putting the lotion on her belly, like for her skin, you know, and when she's taking the vitamins and all the stuff that she has to do, when she's doing all that, uh, she's praying over the child in her belly. And when they come, when when she's when we've had them, she's praying over them. Her prayer is always this. It's always the prayer of, that Samuel had, and it was this: Let him find favor with God and man. Because if favor ain't favor ain't fair, but it's awesome, right? The, the angel looks at her and he says, you found favor with God. You're going to have a son. And I love what she says in verse 34. She's like, hold up. Say that again. Well, you're going to have a son. Well, we got a problem there. <laughs> she said, we got a problem. That's impossible. Because see, there's a part of that process to have a baby that I ain't had. Come on, somebody. Come on, adults. Don't make me go. Like, like there's a piece to this puzzle that ain't happened, and it's an important piece for a baby to be there, and it ain't, and, and now it ain't, it's impossible, God. It ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen. Briley one time was preaching when she was probably four at my, at my house or five, and she was preaching, and she was, she was going back and forth, and she was preaching and talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And she said, the Lord said, Briley, I want you to be, want you to be nice. And I said, Lord. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> she's looking at the angel, and she's like, you done missed it, man. You looking for the lady down the street. Come on, somebody. Like, you looking for someone else because, see, that's impossible. I can't do it. I can't do that thing that you're asking. I don't have what it takes. I don't have all the, I've not done what, I'm not, it's impossible. And, and she has all these objections. And I was thinking about how often in our life, when God is trying to get us to do something outside of our comfort zone, when God is trying to us to be who he needs us and who he wants us to be, why? is it that, th that we always have an objection that is tied to our lack? I can't because I, it's impossible, God. Now, obviously, we're talking about the Virgin Mary, but how about your life? Like, like what are the things that God is asking you to do that you're like, but I, I'm not good enough at that? Because here's the reality. Like, we can talk supernatural stuff, and I can tell stories of miracles, but I want to tell stories of the miracle in your home, and that's for you to be the husband or the wife you need to be. You need the presence of God. Like, you don't have what it takes, right? And this angel shows up, and he says, I've, this is what's going to happen. And she said, I don't have what it takes for that to happen. She has this objection, and objections are always tied to our inadequacy or our lack or why we can't or why of all these reasons. And here's the truth. We begin to put God in this box, and we begin to treat God as if he is limited to our inadequacy or our problems or our issues. So then we say, God, you can do that, but not in me. Because see, I can't do that because. Come on, somebody, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Have you ever been there where you just feel like God, God's asking you to do something and you're like, God, I don't have what it takes. I can't. Matter of fact, when the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, well, you're going to start planting churches and I'm going to use you to preach around the world. I said, God, I'm a nobody from nowhere. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't do any of that stuff good enough. And God's like, I'm fully aware. <laughs> I was like, thanks. I was expecting an attaboy, and you can do it. Nope. God's like, yep, you ain't good. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> right? 
I was struggling with this. And God's like, you're right. I know where you're from. And I know that you don't have the connections. And I know you're a nobody. And I'm okay with that. Right? Look what he says in verse 35 through 37. And I'm not going to read it all. But he says, she says, I can't because so. Hail, rejoice. Something good's about to happen. Ah, I'm afraid. Fear not. Come on, somebody. Fear not. God is with you. The grace of God is upon you for such a time as this, right? And it pulls us, you're going to have this baby. But I can't. I don't have what it takes. And then he says this. It's okay. The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. Now, can I, can I, can I? teach for a second? Is that okay? Would that be okay? The, the, theologically, can I teach for a second? See, there's the Godhead in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost in this setting of Scripture is who we're talking about. The Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, He is the acting agent of the Godhead. So we could go back to Genesis 1, and in Genesis 1, it says, now the earth was formless and void, right? But the Holy Ghost, or the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, hovered above the waters of the deep. That word my Uncle JR taught me, that word hovered means fluttered. Imagine like a butterfly or like a hummingbird. It's fluttering. It's fluttering above chaos. It's fluttering above nothingness. But God the Father had a thought and he spoke through the word which John 1 teaches us is Jesus. So God the Father thought, spoke through the Son, and the Holy Ghost was the presence of God on earth, waiting for the commandment, waiting to, I feel like preaching somebody, waiting to act. So here's the thing, in my life, I got some issues, and the Holy Ghost is still the acting agent in my life, and he's fluttering, and he's waiting to move amidst the chaos. Matter of fact, Psalm says, when you send your spirit, mountains are, my God, somebody, mountains are formed, right? The Holy Ghost is the acting agent. He's the moving agent in your life. So uh, Mary is like, I don't have what it takes. And God's like, you do now. Receive my spirit. The Bible says he wore, the spirit of God came upon Gideon. And it literally means, when this came upon him, literally means he wore Gideon like a coat. Come on, somebody. Says he would come upon David, come upon Samson, come upon Saul. The Holy Spirit would fall. And cause people to do things they could not do in and of themselves. It's the power of God. Whoa. That's the Holy Spirit we talk about. That's the Spirit of God we preach about. That's what He does in your life. He, he empowers you to do things that by yourself you don't have the ability to do. Right? Right? Matter of fact, He goes on in 37 to say, And with God, nothing is impossible. When God's presence indwells you, there's nothing you can't do that he's asking you to do. Here's the reality. And he says this to Mary. I, I mean, without saying it, he says, and I need the church to hear this. God does not, he's not impressed. He doesn't need your ability. He needs your availability. It's a major difference. There is a major difference, right? Because see, Mary wasn't able. But what was she? available. See, we think that if we can impress God with our, uh, with our ability, then he'll do something in our life. Then he'll show up and move. Then he'll help our marriage. Then he'll help us with our children. Then he'll help us with our career. If we'll show God that we're able, he'll be impressed and he'll do something in our life. And that is not the way it works because God is not impressed with your ability. He just wants to know if you're available. 
Mary was 100% unable, incapable of doing what God was asking her to do. And here is the great truth with the presence of God. He's not going to ask you to do something that you have the power to do in and of yourself. Because then you wouldn't need him to do it. And you would take all the credit. Come on, somebody. There's three of us amening. And the rest of us, not so much. Come on, somebody. Here's what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says. Paul is, is, is writing this, and he says, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him. He says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was struggling with some stuff, struggling with some, I believe, people issues, some life issues. He had this, he called it a thorn in the flesh. And he said, God, will you take it? And God says this amazing thing. He says, no, no, I won't. Because my power is perfected in your weakness. And then Paul says this, he says, well, then I want to show my weaknesses. Here's the thing. We, how counterculture is this phrase, Scott, from from Paul here. How counterculture. Because we're like walking around and we're trying to show how tough we are. And we're trying to show how righteous we are. And how spiritual we are. And how good of this we are. And how good at that we are in our culture. We're trying to, we're like trying to act like we got no issues. And we're trying to act like we know it all. And we're trying to act like, like if anyone tries to teach us, we're like, no, no, I already know how to do that. I already got that on lockdown. I already figured that out. And Paul is over here like, y'all, I stink, man. I'm not a good man. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a good teacher. I'm not a good apostle. He's going through all this stuff. Because he understood something. He understood that the presence of God is not moved by our strength, but he's attracted to our weakness. It's almost like a magnet. Can I preach somebody? Whenever I'm at home and I'm like, God, I'm not the husband I need to be. God, I'm struggling. I'm not who I should be for my family. The presence of God goes, oh my, I'm attracted to that. And he walks in the room and he says, let me help you on how to be a better daddy. Let me help you on how to be a better husband. I'm like, God, I'm not the preacher and the pastor that I should be. And he goes, oh, but when you talk to me like that, I can't help but walk in the room and want to help you and want to speak to you and I'm going to send the acting agent, my God, let me preach, into your life. And the Holy Spirit who flutters above the chaos, who flutters above the confusion. When your weakness shows, my power is perfected. And I can use you to do stuff that will blow the minds of the world. It says in the Old Testament, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You trying to do it, you can't, you can't, but he can and will. <laughs> In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I'm just going to uh, read the first part of this. It says, the eye of the Lord is roaming to and fro the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him or strong support of those whose heart is blameless toward him. Whoa, it literally means the spirit of God is looking, saying, who who can I fall on today? Who can I partner with in their everyday life? Hmm. 
Who can, this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. Who can, who, who's so committed to me that while they're coaching, I can partner with them and strengthen them in the midst of everything going on in their life? Who, who's committed to me? What business owner? What employee? What stay-at-home mom? Come on, somebody. What, what district manager for a hair company can I, can, I, can I connect with? Because they're so committed to me, and I can show my strong support in their life, and they will manage, and they will teach, and they will lead above their ability that's what he's saying that's what he's saying but what's the key to that whose hearts are fully committed it's back to availability he didn't say all right who's the best who's the best barber in town he said who's committed he didn't say who's the best doctor in town he said who's committed who's the best he didn't say that he said I want to know who's available okay so availability when we're available, it, it's, it's exposing our weakness, saying, I don't have it all figured out, so I'm available for you to move in my life. And his eye is searching the world, looking for that person to partner with on a daily basis. Whoa. Whoa. But here's the problem in our culture. We feel like, like God is lucky that he picked us for the kickball team. Come on. So y'all play kickball in school? Yeah. Some of y'all play kickball in school. Anybody? Anybody else, when they called your name, you were like, yeah, we going to win this game. <laughs> You got the right guy. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Fifth grade, Mr. Ford's class. It was the whammers, the bammers, the slammers, and the black-eyed peas, and we took home that trophy. You're right. <laughs> Here's the reality. It's not because you're special. Matter of fact, y'all, Noah was drunk, but God used him to save the entire known world. And Solomon was a womanizer, but God used him to build the temple. And Caleb was way too old, but God used him to kick out the giants of the land so the Hebrews could, could, could habitate the land. Josiah was too young, but God used him to turn the country back to God. Moses was a murderer, but God used him to deliver a nation. Paul persecuted Christians, but God used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Jonah was rebellious. Jonah was rebellious, yet in the rebellion, when he came out of the rebellion, God used him to save the city of Nineveh. David was a boy, a murderer, and an adulterer, and still God used him to be the most prolific king in Hebrew history. And Balaam's donkey was a donkey. It was a donkey. And you think you're like the special component to God's grace? Like you think God's like, oh, whew, thank God. Thank God I got JR on the team. No, now we can. I got Bo on the team. I got, I got Fable on the team. We got Fable. Now we can win. God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can use a donkey. Chill out. It's, it's true. Guys, he does not need you. But he's looking to partner with you, and that is radical. You know why I love to take my son hunting? Is it because I need him to shoot? Don't answer that. Someone gonna mouth me, and I'm gonna go off. Is it because I is it because I need Chase to shoot the deer so we can have deer meat? No. It's because I want to partner with my child to teach them a skill 
But as they grow old, they can use that skill and pass that skill. Or can I move this to a spiritual note to pass that anointing down to another generation, right? They need to pass down what a good, you need to pass down what a good daddy is, what a good mommy is. Come on, somebody. What a husband-wife relationship looks like. You need to pass that down to your children because the world is fighting it in every turn. They're telling them you don't need to get married. They're telling them you don't need any of that mess. But the Spirit of God is saying, no, show them what it looks like. Show them. Show them. So here's my question. If it's not about what you can or can't do, how's it happen? If it's not about your ability, how do I do it? That's Mary's question. The answer's in the greeting. Hail, rejoice, something awesome's gonna happen. Favored one. What's favored mean? The grace of God is upon you. My God. See, we, we, we bring grace down to its raw form and to this form of, okay, it keeps us out of hell. And while that's true, grace is more than that. Grace is way more than that. Grace, guys, is, is something that God gives us to do something that is beyond our ability to do. Dads, in and of yourself, you're not a good enough dad. You need God's grace for that. Not a good enough husband. Moms, you're not good enough. You need God's grace for that. Come on, somebody. Listen, God's grace comes on people to preach and to sing. And aren't they talented? Aren't they anointed? Aren't you thankful for that grace? But God's grace also comes on people to counsel. And God's grace comes on people to, to do me, in the medical profession. And God's grace comes on people to cut hair and to kill ducks and to kill deer. Glory, I thought I might get an amen from somebody right there. And God's grace comes on a quarterback named Patrick Mahomes. Come on, somebody. Here's the thing. We limit like, the grace of God and these things to what happens on the pulpit. And God's going, no, I need God's, I need my grace to fall on a business owner to where they can, they can be thriving and help finance the kingdom of God. My grace needs to fall. Come on, somebody. My grace needs to fall on some people that are just willing that in their everyday life, I can use them in capacities that will blow their mind. That's what the grace of God is about. Fast forward. Fast forward nine months. She's pregnant, riding a donkey. We talked about that last week. Joseph didn't plan ahead. He didn't Uber to Bethlehem. Should have, didn't. Didn't get, didn't book a hotel.com. <laughs> no vacancy. She's giving birth to the savior of the world in a manger. She's sitting there, all the dreaming, all the hoping, all the praying, all the prophesying, all the fasting, all the stuff she's done to, for this pregnancy to be right. And she's giving birth to God's son next to a chicken and a donkey and a goat. She even have a trailer with living quarters, Donnie. She's in a barn. You ever been there? Not that part, but just the part where you... Everything you prayed and dreamed about, it's not turning out like you prayed and dreamed. You been there? Isn't it discouraging? Isn't, aren't you like, God, I don't get it. I've worked so hard. I prayed so much. I fasted so much. I've, I've worked so hard. Why? It's not turning out like I thought it would turn out. I pictured it so much different. God, I didn't think it would look like this. I don't get it. Fast forward 
33 years she's seen him heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the leper cast out demons walk on water calm the storm come on somebody she's she's heard the stories of him being with elijah and moses right she's watched her son do these miracles after miracles after miracles 33 years later she's watching him hanging on a cross beaten and bloody with the crown of thorns and nails in his hands and feet she's saying god it shouldn't look like this. I don't get it. I feel like in that moment, she went back to that young woman. Young woman in her room. And she said, you said his kingdom would have no end. And I sure didn't think it would end like this. I sure didn't think it would look like this. God, I just don't get it. And you know what I love about God? You know what I love about God's word? He answers questions you didn't know to ask. He answers prayers you haven't thought to pray. Four, eight hundred years earlier, God speaks to a prophet named Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, there's going to be a woman that's a virgin that's going to give birth to Emmanuel and government is going to be on his shoulders and he's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll sit on the throne of David forevermore. But here's what I need you to do, Isaiah. I need you to write her a letter because she's going to be brokenhearted wondering what I was doing. Here's that letter, Isaiah 53. Yes, it's to us, but I 100%, I 100, everything my soul believes this was to Mary because Mary had some questions. Mary had some prayers that were so confused. Message version, here's what it says. Who believes what we've seen and heard? Who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on, passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. But the fact is, y'all, it was our sins, our pains he carried, our disfigurements, everything wrong with us. You thought you brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. It was our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. And through his bruises, we get healed. Come on, somebody. He took the punishment that made us whole. By his stripes, we are healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've done our own thing and gone our own way and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb to be slaughtered, like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence, justice miscarried as he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without thought for his own welfare. Beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked and threw him in a grave with a rich man. Even though he'd never hurt a soul. Mary, understand me. Even though he'd never done one thing wrong, never spoken one word that wasn't true. Verse 10, still, it's what God had in mind all along. To crush him with pain. The plan that he gave himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, 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 and more life. And it was God's plan that would deeply prosper through him. Oh, out of that terrible travail of soul, he'd see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. It says, through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, 
will make many righteous ones. That's us, church. And he himself carries the burdens of our sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly. The best of everything, the highest honors. Because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Y'all, that's my Jesus. My God. That's my Jesus. It says he looked death in the face. Didn't flinch. That's, that's my Savior. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his shoulders the sin of many. The last verse, he took up the cause of all the black sheep. Mary is sitting at the foot of the cross saying, God, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't look like this. Why is it ending like this? I didn't picture it this way. Isaiah 53, God speaks to Mary and says, I did. I know you didn't picture it this way, but I planned it this way. I begin to think how many people are going through some stuff in life saying, God, I didn't picture it this way. And God's speaking back today saying, no, you didn't, honey, but I planned it this way. Before the foundations of the world, I knew the mistakes you were going to make, and I had a plan. I knew the, the trials and the tribulations that you were going to go through, and I had a plan. You may not have thought it was supposed to look like this. You may have pictured it different, but maybe God planned it that way. The, essentially what he's saying in this setting of scripture. He was born in a manger like God planned. He lived a perfect life. Come on somebody. Like God planned. He healed the sick. He cast out demons like God planned. He walked on water like God planned. He rose the dead like God planned. He hung on a cross like God planned. He was in a grave three days like God planned. And he rose again on the third day like God planned. Would you get on your feet and worship with us for just I'm normally a little bit more theatrical, but here's what I think. I think that you are where you are because God needed to bring you here to this moment today. And he had a plan. And we're standing in the midst of it. And he just wants you to walk into it today. He sent his son with a plan to provide 
grace to provide a moment like this that we get to that we get to that we that we get to stand in and see the savior accomplish what he came to do and that's to see you be welcomed home into his arms so this morning I don't care if you're looking around or not if that's you this morning and you want to know Jesus right where you stand you just want to meet him you want to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior maybe today's that first day maybe today's the first time in a long time just lift your hand and just leave it there for a second thank you thank you Celebrate just just to celebrate just for a second. I got it. Thank you, Father. I know there's a lot of things that we had happen today. Like some of you came for kids, and I'm so happy you did. But man, I'm not celebrating because the kids sang good or because the choir sounded good. We're celebrating because people met Jesus this morning. Amen. Amen. Last, I just want to pray for, for anybody who feels like they found themselves in the midst of something that they don't understand and they, they didn't picture it this way as Pastor Bo was talking about and it, it feels weird, it feels different, it feels uh, strange, it's not what you had imagined things looking like but you are where you are and that, that you just are ready to turn around and say, God, I don't know how I got here but God, I want you to use where I am for your good. If that's you this morning and you just wanna commit to God to say, man, this looks crazy but God, I trust and believe you in the process. I'm gonna lift my hand too. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hands as we pray? Father, I, God, I thank you that things, I don't have to know the answers to things because God, you're in control. God, I'm thankful that as we stand here today, you sent your son so that he can live a perfect life send back to heaven so that he could send the, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that at this moment when we're committing back to you and, and saying, God, we, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't know where I am or how I got here, but Holy Spirit, we need your help. God, I pray for these, including myself, that have our hands lifted to you. Looks different. But God, we want to walk with you through it. Jesus, thank you for your help. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us, direct us. Thank you, Father. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give God a round of applause one more time before we're seated?